and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to review game week 24, which was a double for a couple of teams. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the Emmy Martinez to my Alison Becker. It's Andy Case. Andy, you just made the point to me off air that um, you know, Alison's uh, suffered a, a fair bit of criticism for, for his errors recently, but um, you're kind of of the opinion that had it been some other keepers, maybe uh, that maybe they got you know got it a little bit worse. I mean, is, is that fair? I guess it kind of is. I mean, I guess Allison is still seen as maybe one of the best goalkeepers in the league, but um, but Martinez is absolutely going after that crown, really, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you've you've thrown me under the bus a bit, a little a little bit there, but um, no, I think I think um, it's it's he. Let's get it. Let's be right. Let's let's get this fair. He 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 has been. He has been criticised very, you know, in every sort of analysis of the game I've seen and of the game like last week or whenever it was against City and he, and he messed up as well. Um, he has been like plenty fully criticised, but I just feel like if it was a Kepper or a De Gea who obviously have been more known for their mistakes and maybe that's the reason why, but still, if it was them, I feel like they'd have been like absolutely just like there's no way he should be playing for the club, throw him out sort of uh, sort of criticism, which maybe because they've made more mistakes is, is fair. It's always interesting, I think, isn't it? You know, you got to feel sorry for keepers, especially because all all of their mistakes generally lead to goals. Um, you know, I, I obviously I've, I've mentioned on the pod many times. I I, I live with an Everton fan, and you know, Pickford isn't particularly popular in the, in this household. But um, but yeah, you know, he doesn't. At least he hasn't made too many howlers quite to level to to Allison's level um, recently, anyway. But but yeah. I think uh, do do always always feel a bit sorry for goalkeepers, but then the flip side of that is that I've always found goalkeepers generally quite strange as a as a being because I think if you're going to play football, but you're choosing to be the one that uses your hands, you, you know, there's got to be something not quite going going right upstairs as far as I'm concerned. Well, sh- shade from from Chris Hopkins to at least one eleventh of the of the football playing community there. Nah, no, like, but do keepers actually take up an eleventh of it? Because I feel like. I feel like you know most keepers want to, they want to be up front anyway, don't they? Really, they just might be very good at also being in goal. So especially well, at like, in, our I mean, amateur level. Like, I, I think I've, this is probably a well-known thing, but uh, one of these like pub quiz things. But I, I only knew this because I used to teach at the school that he went to. But um, Paul Robinson, uh, obviously famous ex-England goalkeeper and Tottenham and others, uh, used to used to play up front for his school football team. He was yeah. he was a, he was a striker back in the day, and he ended up in goal. So maybe maybe there's some truth in that. Yeah, yeah. I, reckon, I reckon there is. I reckon there is. Um, anyway, enough, enough about that, and let, let us crack on with the review show. As always, on our reviews, we'll we'll review our players on the radar, which uh, there was a, a sort of DCL replacement focus this, uh, in our preview. We'll have a look at a top differential and a high own player that blanked in the segment we like to call blankety blank. And we'll review our swimming against the tide and our captaincy picks before having a quick look ahead at game week 25, which is also a double for two teams. Um, so let's start, Andy. I mean, I guess with a quick review, uh, full disclosure to the listener, we're recording this after um, all games have been played except those teams that are doubling in game week 24. Um, but let's start quickly because I guess we were highlighting Burnley and Man City as being teams that were doubling in this game week. Um, but I guess what can you tell us, Andy, from what you've seen um, of, of those two teams in their first fixture looking ahead to their second? Yeah, well, we tried not to dwell on them too much in the preview just because of the fact we had mentioned them in the previous preview, uh, sort of lo- looking ahead to this to this double for them. And I guess, well, without trying to sound too clever, it sort of went as pretty much as we, we'd, we'd kind of tipped up there, really. Like, yeah, but Burnley looked comfortable and kept a clean sheet. Um, 
all, all of all of the Burnley defenders that we mentioned would have would have um, you know returned you a, a clean sheet there. And we, we we mentioned how there was a bit of uncertainty over sort of the Peters Taylor thing, but it looked like Peters was going to start because Taylor wasn't back fit. And I think I actually even said that, that Peters had a slightly better sort of assist potential, and that turned out because he he did manage to get an assist. But still, I think hopefully people probably were were steering more towards. Uh, one of the others, given that we can't be sure who's going to play in this in this next game um, now. And if you did um, happen to follow uh, my lead and, and went for Loughton just simply because he was slightly cheaper, you've you've lucked out with a goal return as well there. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's his first in the league in eight years. So fantastic for a. Uh, for Matt Loughton owners like like myself, and then City, yeah. Um, fortunately, all the all the kind of big guns other than Diaz um, sort of played in in defence. So Cancelo and Stones. Um, if if you if you were a Diaz owner, I can imagine that that would have been a little bit more disappointing. He he didn't quite make it back from the injury, and, and I think what's even more sort of disappointing is it wasn't completely clear. Like I don't think we knew for definite in the from the press conferences if from Pep whether he was. Um, uh, you know, either way, necessarily whether he was going to play before before the deadline. So, so that was a slightly disappointing one. But obviously, clean sheets for the others. And wow, Gundogan! I think we made a point about him. Obviously, uh, his effective, his potential for points is going to be impacted by Rodri. But you know, uh, we're going to we'll mention it more probably later. But Rodri played and and Gundogan got plenty of points. So, Foden, Sterling did also both sort of start, but um, not not as much of a involvement for the two of them. Again, kind of as we said. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be really interesting to see which of those City athletes in particular um, end up playing against Everton uh, in their second game. I feel like Burnley probably a bit more settled, although obviously, you know, like we said on the preview, there is that sort of Peters-Taylor dilemma. And I haven't heard much from Sean Dyche about that recently. Um, obviously, yeah, job done. And, and, and maybe this is one for us to you know, focus on um, maybe maybe in some previews coming up, but you know, not necessarily in terms of always target Palace as, because they're a leaky defence, but but they're really not looking particularly good going forward at the moment. So so you know, Palace games, um, if you've got defenders and, and goalkeepers playing against them, um, they seem to be a pretty kind of you know, a pretty surefire way to to to, to guarantee yourself um, to guarantee yourself some points. Um, and yeah, just I guess just quickly on City. I mean, even even though the, the you know, we, we kind of said that Gundogan's points potential definitely dependent on um, on, on, on Rodri being fit. I don't think any anyone could really have envisaged uh, his 19-point return um, and counting, although it's very unlikely, I think, that he's going to play in the next one because uh, Pep seems to think that he's got a bit of an injury. So, so yeah, but uh, you know, anyone that's got him in, got him 19 points out of the one game, I don't think he's going to be too disappointed that he's not going to be starting in the next one. Um, I guess moving on, Andy, I guess the rest of our radar segment was really focused on on Dominic Calvert-Lewin replacements. Um, it was a bit of a question mark about whether he or how injured he was. I think before, obviously, we recorded, um, we'd just seen him limp off with a bit of a hamstring injury in Everton's midweek FA Cup game. Um, but obviously, we, we, we were waiting on the Carlo Ancelotti press conference. It transpired that he was... You know, almost certainly going to miss their game at the weekend, but might be back for their midweek one against Man City. It's been announced today that he's not going to play against Man City, so he definitely is out. Ended up being out for both of them. Um, I know you were having a bit of a headache about you know whether to get rid of DCL from from your team, and I'm not sure which way you fell on that in the end. I'm sure um, I may have had a hand in persuading you one way or the other, but I guess just going through those potential replacements and what they ended up doing in uh, in game week 24 wasn't loads of success really was there and maybe it's best to start with uh, with your beloved man united and, and edison cavani 
Well, it's cute that you think you're influential enough on my opinion to have an impact on my on my FPL team. So, <laughs> so that's nice. But um, yeah, that that aside, um, I think I'll remind the... you of that next time you're texting me at ten thirty on a Saturday morning, being like, "I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do." But <laughs> you, you never, you, you in your defence, you do never explicitly say, "Please help me," but you do definitely use me as a bit of a sounding board, even if it's just to uh, even if it's just to write out your own thoughts, I guess. No, it's true. And you do give me pushback sometimes, which is helpful for helping me, you know, solidify my thoughts. So, yeah, but um, it's it's it, it like I say, it's cute um, <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. Where, where was, I was I've, I've completely lost my point now. Where Edison, what did you even Edison, ask me? Edison Cavani didn't look particularly great as a potential DCL replacement. Um, but obviously, we I guess we were highlighting him primarily because of Man United's next two fixtures. Um, West Brom being one of them, and then Newcastle obviously up next. Um, but West Brom um, proved a pretty difficult opponent for Man United. I think they're outdone in the XG battle, and obviously that's not good um, if, you, if you're looking for a striker. Yeah, yeah. So no, I mean absolutely right. That is what's obviously not him not returning. If you did, particularly if you did transfer him in off the back of, um, you know, as a DCL replacement, would would be frustrating against a team who've been like one of the worst, if not the worst, in terms of conceding chances this season that that would be incredibly frustrating but i think even more frustrating you know is is just like you say that complete lack of creativity from man united the lack of chances they 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 created that is really worrying you know more more long term and we've seen it a few i did mention not in this section but kind of later when we were talking about bruno in terms of captaincy um on on the preview show that that can happen to united particularly against the sort of lesser teams here that they've 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 shown traditionally over this the last 18 months really not just this season that they've they've struggled against um teams that just kind of sit back and and um that their um their sort of strengths lie more in the counter attack so that's more worrying for Cavani really I'm I still have faith in him and his underlying numbers before this game uh, were were pretty good I think we were highlighting he was up there sort of only only Antonio more ex, ex, expected goal involvement than him so that, that, I mean obviously over the longer period that that point still stands for United and for Cavani but yeah it's concerning that Newcastle could be a similar sort of proposition uh, to to West Brom so that yeah, it, it's 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 not a great place if you're um if you're a Cavani owner right now. Yeah, and then I guess I mean, I guess we, we, we've got off, you know, we we listed a number of potential striking options. Obviously, you know, hopefully will be one for one for every budget. Um, but of you know, of the next ones, Ings, Watkins, Bamford, Kane, only one return. So is it worth us? talking about Danny Ings separately because again although he did return there may be not loads and loads of data that makes him look like much of a better option than any of the, any of the others well I'm not sure there's an uh, sometimes when we do this there's like obvious groupings for the various options I'm not sure here there is an easy way to kind of I think they all have their own kind of distinct distinct quirks so let's just kind of take them in turn and as you go have you gone gone on Danny Ings there I mean yeah, he, he did obviously return this week, this week, and I'd say that almost the, the eye test here was playing a little bit of a part of um, why he kind of looks like a good option. I think um, he you know you know he he offers that kind of focal point number nine threat that a lot of teams seem to be lacking in the league this season. Um, and he you know over the course of the last sort of season and a half, he he's proved to be a relatively well very sort of consistent finisher. So um, they're the sort of positives for Ings. And and although it's a small sample size, over the last couple of game weeks, he's he's fifth amongst all forwards for expected goal involvement. So, you know, they're, they're reasonable numbers, albeit over a very small sample size. Um, 
However, kind of the longer term numbers, um, when you you know he he has only had three attacking returns in like the last eleven or twelve game weeks, albeit he's missed a couple of those and not started in a couple of others. But still, I think that probably accounts for about eight starts at least, and, and only three attacking returns. So that is a slight concern. But the reason I mentioned those stats over the small sample size from the last couple of game weeks is particularly because, and and this could caveat why those returns haven't been as great over a longer stretch. Um, it is you have we would have to if we looked at the stats over the longer term take a bit of a pinch take it with a bit of a pinch of salt because you know there's been a lot of injuries and suspensions for Southampton and it's only in those last couple of game weeks where they have had kind of the, the a lot of their starters back and some of the sort of um, more creative people around Ings to, to give him the chances so I suppose the overall summary of, of all of that waffle would would be that that it's, I guess, a bit more of a. If you haven't brought Ings yet in yet, it is a bit more of a of a punt. There's not that some of the stats suggest maybe he's he's a decent option, and and obviously his longer term ones, you know, the number of goals he scored in the last eighteen months. But then Southampton generally over the season have looked a bit patchy and haven't been the most creative for a variety of reasons. So it's it's mixed signals for him and them really. Yeah, I think I think it, it it goes back to a conversation that we definitely had earlier in the season talking about James Ward-Prowse. You know, even though he was returning, uh, you know, a lot, Southampton's X, XG um, and XA was was never particularly high, um, and and that seems to be you know carry on transpiring. I guess the flip side of that, as you kind of alluded to, was you know if Southampton lose three one, you'd probably put put a fair bit of money on on Ings getting that one. Um, because he is, you know, their their best finisher by by quite a way, and and they do have some okay fixtures coming up. Obviously, um, you know, they've got uh, they've got a double in twenty five, Chelsea and Leeds, and Everton in twenty six, uh, potentially a double in twenty seven that includes Sheffield United, although Man City is likely to be probably the other one, and then Brighton in twenty eight, and I think even up to thirty two, they don't have. Um, you know, team above 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 three in the fixture difficulty ranking. So, you know, could be an option. Um, but like you say, it does seem to be that there are some underlying number issues with Southampton. Um, obviously, now they've got some players back fit, could be a bit better. But it, uh, Ings is Ings is a bit more expensive than perhaps some of some of these other players that we're going to focus on. And then perhaps it is worth us then segueing a little bit into Patrick Bamford, who also didn't return this weekend, but is another player that's going to be doubling. In, in game week 25, um, considerably cheaper, despite the fact that he's had uh, a significant price rise over the course of the year. Um, but Leeds weren't particularly great against Arsenal. I mean, are we are we worried about them? They can also be a little bit patchy. They, they can be. Uh, I guess the thing is, their games are always quite open. Um, although although Leeds can be patchy, they're, they're one of those teams that they just seem to, to sort of keep creating chances they obviously like you say that they didn't create as much as you might usually expect them to in, in this most recent game week but they they still um but Bamford still manages to find a way to kind of to kind of get goals there and, and their numbers have dropped off from where they were maybe but still not like they're still sort of mid-table in terms of creativity uh recently so you know earlier in the season we were talking about how they were top for expected goals kind of created and they're not not top anymore city i think must be way off in that category but i think leeds are still roughly sort of mid table on on those measures so so by no stretch kind of awful and i think you made the point there about ings and his price and obviously bamford at his price with the number of returns he's got and and not just bamford kind of other potentially leeds assets you know i think for the pro- the value that you're getting you know the mo- the money you have to pay versus the returns you get for leeds in terms of the actual returns and the underlying numbers to help project forward you know probably still look reasonable for their for their price 
And then talking about XG, um, you know, drop drop offs. Um, you know, we don't like highlighting one game, single game XG, really, because it's it's you know it, it, it's not great. It's it's obviously you know better when you're using it as an average over over the course of the season. Um, but Aston Villa's XG uh, in in a in their game against Brighton at the weekend was noticeably very very low. I think it was you know under 0.2, um, and obviously that brings us on to Ollie Watkins, who despite having um, high potential for two doubles in the next sort of four to five game weeks. Um, Aston Villa, Aston Villa's performance against Brighton um, really perhaps leaves some question marks over over Watkins's potential, having been in such good goal scoring form. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, his numbers uh, have been all right recently. Uh, in fact, and like Villa over the course of the season have been a, a pretty creative team themselves as well. So I, I'd be, yeah, I'd be inclined to think it's maybe just a one week blip, and and we'll, we'll have to see. There's been some talk and. And this is maybe true, like particularly if you look over the last, I don't know when Barkley came back, but if you look over the last five game weeks, Villa are in the bottom half in terms of XG created. Um, so, and, and that roughly coincides with when Barkley's kind of come back. I don't know, the like I say, the precise game week. So, and the, I've seen some kind of analysis of uh, from sort of Villa journalists about how does he stifle that balance that they'd found when he was injured with kind of the, you know, the number of chances they were creating with a Grealish and a, uh, Traore and um, El Ghazi as well. So I don't know. Perhaps there are there there are some kind of more deep set issues there, and it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye out, I guess, with with Villa there. But but look, before this game week, there's so many people talking up Watkins and the amount of expected goal involvement he had, and the fact that he's an assist and goal threat. And there's not many forwards who've had the same underlying numbers as him at any price, let alone given then that he's obviously not not too expensive. So at the moment, I'd say a blip, but let's keep an eye. Yeah, I think um, you know, without without looking forward to, uh, to the preseason, obviously Watkins coming from Brentford and scoring goals and assists last year. I mean, Brentford have a have a hell of a player in in Ivan Tony this season, who's who's performing even better than Watkins. So he's going to be in the Premier League next year, no doubt. Um, whether that's with Brentford or not, and he'll be an interesting FPL asset to look forward to for next year. I guess a final a final word on 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 Harry Kane, Andy. Um, you know, I think we've sort of had to mention Harry Kane as a DCL replacement if you had the money. Um, but you know, against Man City this week, probably weren't expecting a lot. Um, and I guess all of our question marks about Tottenham remain because they don't always look that creative un- un- under Mourinho. But if they're going to score, then Kane and Son are likely to be heavily involved, either Kane assisting or getting on the end of, of something from Son. Yeah, we'd we'd mentioned, I think, on the preview that um, although Kane and Son did both return against West Brom, they still didn't create a great deal Tottenham against a team you'd you'd hope that they would do. So um, that that was maybe a concern. And then, yeah, obviously they they created sort of nothing in in this game against City. And it and it's really hard with with Tottenham. I found them difficult to kind of judge all season early on when they were smashing goals and creating loads. We was you particularly were still not sure about that whether that was really sustainable and that was their true sort of identity long term. Then they had a bit of a drop off. Then they kind of come good again and Kane and Son started scoring. And now it's yeah one good week, one bad week, and it and it's it's well it's one sort of okay week, one bad week. So yeah, it's 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 really unsure. unsure. I'm I'm so unsure. I can see a lot of people looking to get Kane in for this double game week coming up, not in 25 but in 26. And for me, it's a, it feels like a lot of money for something that feels like such a 
uncertainty. I, mean, I know he's had plenty of returns so far this season, so I think people's point would be he himself isn't an uncertainty. And I don't, I don't doubt his his finishing, but I doubt Southampton, uh, Tottenham, sorry, ability perhaps like on the ball and to create. So that's kind of the worry and, and the concern. Yeah, of course, and, and and there are plenty of teams that have you know pretty appealing doubles. I think in in twenty six, it might just be obviously you know Tottenham's potentially having another double in twenty seven or twenty eight, depending on you know, what they do in the Europa League. Also, if if not, then they are probably they are likely to play in twenty nine, and then we'll have to squeeze in a double later in the season. So. Um, you know, just in sheer number of fixtures, then you know they, they might very much, you know, they might might be worth getting getting some Spurs assets, and there aren't many Spurs assets other than Son and Kane that are really worth talking about in fantasy terms. Um, a final word, Andy, then on 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 Southampton and Leeds. I guess you know, we mentioned them. Um, you know, if if, if players, uh, if FPL managers were looking ahead beyond game week 24, possibly to to a double in 25, and maybe using transfers to to, to plan ahead a little bit more. Um, but I guess there's not loads to say on those. Obviously, neither neither team won this weekend, but there wasn't really a standout player that came to the fore really either there for us, other than sort of the ones that we've perhaps already mentioned. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, we might mention a few more of these on the preview for, for 25, given that we hopefully might know more about 26 by then um, and in, in terms of the doubles that might have been rearranged that haven't been for, for then yet. Uh, and and also about, um, you know, potential other injury rotation things. But I guess what I would say, uh, we, we mentioned, I think, briefly about if Minamino was to start again and he and he did uh, you know, really do very much in the game but just it's, it's just an interesting point to, to add there that he he seemed like a start for them it was also interesting that that Redmond played up front um sort of Che Adams was essentially sort of dropped and it was Redmond playing in the two two withings again didn't necessarily do loads but but just kind of interesting and also Rafinha um continues to kind of to, to look good in that in that Leeds midfield and I think I think you'd you'd picked out uh you'd you'd mentioned that uh, obviously, people moving away from Click and 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 Harrison and Rafinha had kind of looked good on you'd, you'd mentioned on the preview, I think. So yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more probably on on, on next week's preview. But just a, a couple of quick observations there. And one final thing I I would like to say outside of those two, actually, if if that's all right, is also um, Jesse Lingard. That's one player who we sort of took off the radar in the last preview show, and and I think rightly so. But just probably worth mentioning that I think he looked pretty pretty lively no player had more shots on target than him in this game week so far um, and he just looks like he's really thriving on being a bigger fish in a smaller pond there there at West Ham now I'm not suggesting he necessarily needs to go back on the radar because you know for West Ham have got no doubles coming up and they play Tottenham City Man United and Arsenal in their next five fixtures you know four that's four of the next five so it doesn't look particularly sort of attractive from a fixture point of view um, for them but but I thought at least sort of worth, worth mentioning him yeah, absolutely, and we're we're going to find out a lot about um, a lot about West Ham in general, I think, aren't we, over the next few game weeks? And uh, and yeah, you know, I, depending on on strategies for for twenty nine, um, where obviously only only six teams are, are slated to to be playing, West Ham being one of them, uh, you could see uh, Jesse Lingard ended up in in twenty game week twenty nine free hit teams, or possibly even people taking a hit or trying to get him in um, in in twenty seven and twenty eight, possibly to to try and try and. Uh, cope i guess with with all of the blanks uh, in in 29 so let's just take a quick break uh, and then we'll we'll return welcome to the fpl lounge our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods that way you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team 
if you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Um, let's crack on then, Andy. Let's move on to blankety blank and top differential. Um, maybe let's start with blankety blank. I think that's how we usually do things. I don't see any any reason to change course here. Um, could, a few of the players that we could have could have highlighted uh, this week, but I guess we went back to to the age old question of which uh, high owner player disappointed their ownership the most this weekend. And I guess of of, of all of the high owner players that blanked, I guess we're slightly slightly leaning towards Jack Grealish this weekend. Um, I don't think either of us have any particular doubts about Jack Grealish. I think from a fantasy point of view, you're a bit more high on Grealish than I am, but I think that's just because I believe that there are similar players that are you know, in his kind of ballpark, whereas I don't think you'd necessarily believe believe that to be the case but um obviously you know, we've already mentioned sort of Aston Villa's lack of uh, lack of creativity this weekend and against Brighton despite you know us thinking that they've got a better defense than perhaps most um, you know most would believe and um, we would have expected Villa to be creating way more against Brighton than they actually did yeah exactly and if not expected at least hoped that they might have done right I think given their their how much creative they've been this season uh, so far I think you 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 that is, is exactly the point you've made. He's Grealish has sort of avoided being in this section when he's blanked before, and I think we've probably even said it on some shows because of the fact that he, you know, was un, under sort of seven and a half million. Uh, I think he's heading more towards eight now. But um, you know, for for his price and his, the amount of returns and points he'd had this season you know, you're not going to expect return every single week. And so he, he you know, it'd be, it's a bit harsh to, to perhaps give, give, give that to him. If he's playing, say, uh, you know, city or an Arsenal or, a uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, whatever. Um, whereas in this game, I think, yeah, like you said in this, in this game week, although Brighton's defense have looked good recently, you, you'd hope with the form him and, and they have been in this season that out of, out of the, out of the high owned blankers, he, he's the one that you would have most hoped. And you'll go through a, a few in a minute with the honorable mentions, but yeah, when, when you hear that list, I think, I think given the opponents, Grealish is the one we would have hoped most would, might have, might have gotten a return. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, just, just to clarify, because I don't think I mentioned his, his ownership, is a 30, 39%, and and yeah, obviously, obviously a blank with just two points this weekend. And then the others are kind of in our consider is our in our consideration. The honourable honourable mentions, Patrick Bamford. Um, again, he seems to crop up fairly regularly in 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 the honourable mentions. Two points, 54%. But you know, away at Arsenal, um, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that mean that Leeds. Um, you know, or Bamford wouldn't return, but but you know perhaps expectations are a little bit lower. And then both Son and Kane uh, against City, obviously with with vastly different ownerships, both got two points. But Son's owned by at least half of uh, all FPL managers, where Kane's just under a quarter. Um, but again, you know if, if if Son was at Brighton, I think he'd have probably taken this uh, you know taken this crown fairly comprehensively. And you know I guess he gets a bit of a pass this week. Um, for it being against against City. I mean, other than that, Andy, I think it will feel like most. Uh, it was a pretty good weekend for for higher owned players. Besides these four, really, you know, sometimes we we do this exercise, and and, and there are kind of six or seven that we could choose from. So it wasn't really the case this weekend. And I think uh, just to add a bit more colour, I think to what you said about Grealish, I think the fact that he has done so well and scored so many points without penalties this year, and um, probably says 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 more more about him really um Andy I will let you take the lead on top differential I mean we've already mentioned this player but uh you bringing him in this weekend um made you made you a very happy boy on Saturday afternoon 
Well, you make me sound like a dog or something there, but yeah, no, I uh, I was um, because, as mentioned, I was not bringing Matt Loughton in because I expected him to score, and so I can by, by no means claim any credit or uh, Mystic Meg powers uh, on that basis. But yes, um, Matt Loughton on 15 points and counting is our top differential for this for this game week. 3.3% uh, ownership, which considering the double and the not, the second double coming up for Burnley, I'm surprised actually it's kind of kind of that low. I think more people seem seem to have steered towards the me and Tarkowski option because of their potential threat from from corners and stuff. But um, the, obviously my mantra was always that their threat, although it was higher than some other defenders, wasn't particularly high anyway. And so just save the half a million or in, in, in the case of Tarkowski, you know, that one's 0.8 million cheaper. So, you know, not not an insignificant amount. I'll, I'll kind of save that and um, and, and bring in Loughton, who who's got the same clean sheet sort of threat. And then, yeah, obviously, <laughs> as it turned out, I, uh, I, I managed to bag a cheeky goal and some bonus points out of it as well. But even, even if he didn't get that goal, you know, he'd be sitting there on probably like six, seven points right now with another um, fixture against Fulham, Fulham coming up. So I'd be perfectly happy with that return. And uh, I think if you if you get that little bit of luck uh, and you because you've brought in Loughton this week, you've probably brought him in for reasonably good uh, reasoning. So just just take it and uh, you, you you deserve it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, wouldn't shock me as well if, if a lot of that 3.3% ownership maybe even had him a while stashed on, stashed on their bench because he's 4.5 million defender and then starting and then obviously we'd bring him in for this double and, you know, if you've had him had him for that long but but bringing him in for the double, then, yeah, you you absolutely deserve um, the returns that, that, that he's ended up with. Um, a few honourable mentions, Matt Loughton, yeah, I think it's important what Andy says there, 15 points and counting because obviously he could end up um, you know, being the highest scoring player this this game week I guess he's only really got to surpass Gundogan and and, and the next player on our list in terms of uh, in Pierre Emerick Aubameyang who got 20 points for his 6.6% ownership I mean just just a little bit on him Andy I think Aubameyang was a player that um, at the start start of the season him being listed as a midfielder got people quite excited because you know more points um, for for his returns but really not done a lot until until this weekend. Um, and then uh, Diop at West Ham with 13 points, 0.4% uh, ownership. And Josh Madger at 13 points, 0.3% ownership. I mean, um, of the three of those, even though Aubameyang is the household name, uh, he's not going to end up on our radar anytime soon, whereas uh, Josh Madger maybe will. Well, the only thing I'd say on Aubameyang is that he played through the middle, right? And he has played a lot of this season out left. So if he... Now, he had played through the middle earlier in the season as well. well that, just, and... that also does justify FPL moving him to a midfielder. And there are plenty of players that play out, out wide or wider and still get way more returns than Aubameyang does. Yeah, no, but I guess the, what the point I was going to make here, though, was if... So added... It, earlier in the season, Aubameyang did play through the middle at points, um, but didn't you know, didn't really return. And we were, we were sort of saying, yeah, he's, he's not, he's not an option, particularly at his price. Then he moved out left. His return still stayed kind of low. And like you say, that, that justifies why he's been classified as a midfielder. Fine. But the slight difference, and I haven't looked at the numbers, haven't looked at the online numbers at all here, but I do just wonder with, because since Smith Rose come into the team, this is the first time kind of a Bamiyang's played through the middle with a kind of actual proper creative number 10. Now, I mean, ironically, he was playing out on the right with um, Odegaard playing in the, as the number 10. But still, that three is quite a potent... And, and Saka, uh, Saka was sort of on the left uh, to, to, to facilitate Smith-Rowe on, on the right. That, that They have been kind of, particularly Smith-Rowe and Saka, shining lights for, for Arsenal creatively this season. And I, I think... 
I don't know, but I think this is possibly the first time that Aubameyang's played as the number nine with those two behind him because kind of earlier in the season Saka was injured and Smith Rowe hadn't broken into the team yet and then when they did you know Aubameyang was was the one playing out left there and with with sort of Lacazette or whoever through the middle so that's maybe the only caveat on Aubameyang maybe I mean at the moment I'm certainly just taking this as a one-off and I'm not rushing to get him on the radar in my team but I do just wonder if this continues that that essential front four if, if they if they can create some kind of like you know, understanding and that that is a front four that continues to start for Arsenal. So Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, and then Abamyang. Yeah, may, maybe they, they can sustain this, and that makes Abamyang suddenly um, maybe a premium kind of option to consider again. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know that we have to caveat this with it was against a, a lead side who were sort of intent on capitulating in the first half. But at the same time, you, know, you make a good point about about those attacking players. Odegaard was a player that we sort of put on the periphery of our radar when he joined Arsenal because we wanted to wait and see what he ended up doing. And um, although he didn't return in this game, um, did did feed Saka that that led to a, uh, Saka get winning Aubameyang's penalty. Um, and and for all intents and purposes, it did 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 look okay. Um, I think this was this is probably his first start or or only his second start since joining. So, so yeah, it could could be an interesting one. Although although yeah, um, I think we want to see a bit more from Bamiyang before he ends up uh, being mentioned regularly on our pod. Um, I guess we better crack on, Andy, because I feel like we're 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 talking too much as we always do. Um, let's review very quickly our swimming against the tide. This was a, a bit of a double whammy this week where we. Um, we're swimming against those transferring Son out and those transferring Suchek out for slightly different reasons. Um, I guess Son out, you know, we could understand it against Man City, but Tottenham likely to have some some pretty good doubles coming up. And although we're not confident on, you know, in Tottenham hugely, Son is one of them premium assets who who, who could you know, quite easily return, um, could have quite easily haul uh, in the doubles he's got coming up. And then Suchek was was specifically about this game week, um, having a fairly favourable fixture against Sheffield United. Although I guess it didn't quite work out the way the way we might have hoped. No, but I mean, like, like I don't think our points on the preview show weren't that we were expecting either of these players necessarily to return this game. You you hope that Suchek might, but for his price, you can't necessarily expect it. However, um, you know, he did get a clean sheet point, and um, you could maybe look to move him out. You know, now like was was kind of our point, and on Son, yeah. It's similar thing, really. Obviously, we mentioned before with Kane, and it's same with Son. I'm not convinced necessarily on Tottenham, but they have a, a much better run coming up. And um, it just seemed like, given that there were so many other double game week options, maybe you could look at that. That perhaps you could try and, if if possible, you know, st- uh, either just roll the dice and, and start Son. Uh, he scored against City before, or or you know, stash him on your bench and and this you know save him for. Uh, for future game weeks and and the doubles and the doubles coming up. So I guess that the real proof of, of these two, whether they've been, uh, whether we've been proved right or the tide has, I guess would, would be more so that, that longer term uh, view. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you'd have told me that West Ham would beat Sheffield United 3-0, Suchek wouldn't score, but Declan Rice, Issa Diop and Ryan Fredericks would, I'd have told you that you were a bit crazy. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, justified in perhaps, it, it, just, justified in our thoughts, obviously just didn't, didn't quite work out the way, the way that we, that we might have intended. Um, I guess we better finish off with Captain Andy, and, and obviously this, this was split fairly comfortably down the middle in terms of, uh, you know, those, those on doubles and them as captaincy options versus uh, one player who seemed to stand out uh, who wasn't on a double. Um, maybe it's best to start with uh, with Bruno Fernandes. Um, you've written on on our pre-pod document something that I can't say 
on the podcast or at least an abbreviation for something that we can't say on the podcast but ultimately you weren't happy with United's performance and nor should you be with a one-all draw with with, uh, with West Brom but Bruno did return so those that put the armband on him can't be too upset although I think um, again you uh, you said in a text to me at the weekend that he did um, a nice it was a nice way of, of or not such a nice way of you saying that he did very little until until he got his return or accepted his return. Yeah, no, he didn't really do much in, in the game particularly, but it obviously it was an outrageous finish and he has the, just that quality to pull out a moment of genius like that. Um, and and again, like he, I, don't doubt, I don't doubt, I think I saw someone total up his points because I think his first game last season was in game week 25 or something like that. So this marks like the end of the first full season in FPL for him. And he has like something up, upwards of 300 points in that time, which is obviously completely outrageous. So he's not done badly at all and he's consistent over a long stretch. So... I don't necessarily doubt doubt Bruno sort of long term, but he, he yeah he has he has had points at this season where for the odd game he's just looked completely out of it, and and this was one of those games. But like you say, if you've captained him, I guess I guess part of the reason you captain him is what is one penalties. So even if he is having a bad game, there's a chance for a return there, and and two just he is that good a player that if his all round performance isn't great, he still has the quality and the talent to to pull something like that finish out of the hat. And then I guess on the doubles. Um... You know, bit a little bit TBC just because we don't know how the second game was played out for some of these players. But you know, we we did highlight DCL, although that was completely dependent on on injuries, and he's he's unlikely to feature. So I guess we can put a bit of a, a bit of a line through that one. Um, but in terms of Pope Gundogan and Cancelo, I mean, all three have at least got a return so far. Um, but Gundogan's the guy. Um, even though he's not going to play. Te- technically not going to play both games in the, in the double and um, he's got more than enough returns uh, to to make you think that he might have played three games in this game week well yeah if you'd offered uh, Gundogan owners or captainers uh, two goals and assist before the game week uh, across two games you'd absolutely snap your hand off for that every single time so I think that's that's made or made or break broken you know like l- lots of people's game week this week is one either owning him or not but then two even if you own him captaining or not because there's you know a 19 point swing the difference between just owning him and captaining him at this rate so yeah obviously he he he's done superbly and if if I was very close between the the safe boring pick of Pope and and Gundogan and and obviously both have have kind of got you returns there but just it was ju- it was just because we found out before the deadline, as we mentioned on the preview, about Rodri being fit and so probably starting, that was just what tipped it for me in favour of Gundogan. All the, everything we'd said about his underlying numbers and getting into the box absolutely came through because he had Rodri there playing behind him. And that's what gave him um, ultimately the opportunities and, and the goals that he scored. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but yeah, um, yeah, like you say, I'm, I'm one of those that didn't captain Gundogan, but do, but do own him, and you know, going into his or going into the second fixture, I can't say I'm disappointed that he's not playing, which feels odd considering I own him. But you know, there we go. A couple of people in in my mini league did captain him, and uh, and yeah, any more returns, and it just golf, you know, makes that makes that golf even wider. Um, let's leave it there then, Andy. But we can have a quick look ahead uh, to, to 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 game week 25. Obviously, there is a bit of a double, uh, but we've got some other things to look forward forward to, including return of European football uh, later this evening. Yeah, so obviously Champions League is back and and um, as ever that, that kind of 
provides maybe a little bit more certainty in some instances in terms of rotation, just in the sense of you can expect probably most teams will take the Champions League as seriously as they can and play their sort of strongest team. The interesting one in terms of FPL, I think at least anyway, has always been kind of the Europa League. And we said it earlier in the season when the group stages were happening, just because like take United, for example, flying out to, I think, Turin to play to play on a neutral ground against, against Sociedad, which is a hard fixture. Are, are they going to... I mean, I'd be very surprised if, say, Cavani starts that game. Um, I'd be surprised if, if all of the first-team players kind of start. Um, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we're likely to see Henderson in goal, for example, I would have thought. Um, so just keep an eye on stuff like that. And Leicester, you know, Vardy has you know, had, had a few injuries this season. Will, will he start in the Europa League? Obviously, Kane's only just coming back from injury. So will he start for Tottenham? Uh, Mourinho loves taking that competition seriously. So it might be a different mantra from them. Yeah, lo- lots of kind of things that could significantly impact, um, obviously, directly with injuries. But then, you know, in a, in a perhaps more indirect way with fatigue and, and stuff um, on, on FPL teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, I think there's plenty, plenty to look forward to, and you know, obviously European football is is great, but yeah, definitely lots to keep an eye on in terms of minutes and, and starts for uh, for any of your FPL assets. And obviously, we should also, I think you alluded to it earlier, Andy, but hopefully before the game week 25 deadline, we will have some announcements about which fixtures are being played in the double in 26. I mean, that could, um, it's probably not going to make a huge amount of difference, like you know who's playing who, because we we are fairly confident. In, in which teams will have doubles, but I guess it could in terms of you know bringing some players in. If anyone's thinking of wildcarding or or, or or something similar in game week 26, then then, then those that have slightly more favourable doubles um, than, than those that don't it definitely could be could be worth keeping an eye on. So I guess we're hoping that we have that information before we record our our, our preview pod. Um, at least for, for for game week 25, we might you know hopefully we'll have some information. But if not, I guess that's something for the listener to look forward to in our, in our game week 26 preview. Well, yeah. For if you if you have that information before the twenty five deadline, it it does make a big difference, I think, um, compared to only having it before the twenty six deadline, because you, it's an extra free transfer that you can take into account, and there's a little bit more strategy perhaps involved in terms of do you just use one in twenty five and roll it so you've got two or or not, or or and try and maybe you can focus your transfers on twenty five because you know there's teams doubling doubling there instead. So yeah, we, we, we can't be sure. We don't know there is no sort of set timeline for when these decisions will get made. But we're we're hopeful because we we know for definite that lots of teams can't play in 29. That's a certainty because it clashes with the FA Cup quarterfinals. So those and the only slot for those a lot of those fixtures to go into is the midweek of game week 26. So that would um yeah we're 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 fairly certain there's going to be some fixtures announced, but when we're we're not sure and we're, we're hopeful that will be that will be sooner rather than later. Great stuff then. Let's leave it there. But um, Andy, we're getting more and more questions on Twitter as the weeks go by. Um, but if, if, if people have more for us, then how can they get in touch? Yeah, well, it's great. It's great to hear. And uh, more and more questions. And, and even me and you, particularly me, taking some stick now, even off, off of listeners on Twitter. So, yeah, no, but it's all it's all good hearted. So keep it coming. We, we'd love to hear off you off you more. And you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge if you'd like to do so. Absolutely. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. It is incredibly useful to us and helps other listeners other listeners find us and obviously do share it, share it with your friends. Um, but maybe not if they're in your mini league, because, you know, you don't want to be giving them, giving them, giving them a heads up. Right. And, you know, we don't want people to we don't, we don't want our, our, our excellent knowledge to be shared too widely. We don't want you know other people to be getting such a competitive edge. That, that is right. Right. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Okay. Let's let's um, let's just continue the myth and and keep fooling ourselves that that that's the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess we will be back to uh, preview game week twenty five later in the week. I assume it will be Thursday. I think we've got a pretty early Friday night football deadline, so we're going to try and get get the pod out as early as we can on Thursday evening, which should give you still plenty of time to listen. Um, but Andy, until then, thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.